0: Well, Rock Church, how's everybody doing today? You guys, good, good. So it's good to see you guys. So so thankful that you are here with us today, and hope that you're having a great weekend. Like I know all of you South Carolina Gamecock fans. I know y'all are a little happy today. Okay, <clears throat> we don't get to say that a whole lot at, at the Rock. Like like like. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it that way. I'm actually trying to encourage you right now. Okay, um, but but anyway, so. Uh, It's just—it's been a great weekend, and hopefully, hopefully that is true in your life. And um, that if um, if you're new with us, let me just go ahead and say this: Thank you for coming. Uh, It might be your first time ever coming to the Rock or being a part of this, or maybe your first time ever even going to a church. Period. All right. I know that can be a little anxious, maybe going to someplace new like that for a first time. So just. Just know that that I'm glad that you're here with us and hope that you're having uh, just a great time as you get started. I would say this, if you're new here in Conway, then make sure that you get connected. As a church, we really want to help everybody find what matters, and we know the best way for that to happen is for you to get connected to Jesus and connected to others. So if you're new with us, make sure you get connected with us. If you're watching online, then I want to encourage you, just talk to a host uh, that, that is there with you, and they would love to get you connected that way. All right, now. We're going to dive into this message, and we're going, to, we're going to wrap up a series today called Get Off Your Donkey, all right? And if you're new with us, I'll catch up to speed, but for those of you who have been with us now for four weeks, uh, this is kind of the end of it, and, and we're kind of hitting this angle that, that we've all got to get off of our donkeys and give in a way that matters, that, that we've said that, that we need to give of our money, we need to give of our resources, we need to give of our life in a way that matters. And, and the way we've done it is we've went through several different Bible stories each week. Uh, for instance, uh, we started with the story of Abigail. And Abigail literally got off a donkey and gave gifts to King David because she understood who he was and what he had done. And we said that, that when we understand who God is and what he's done in our lives, then we should give in a way that matters to him. Uh, week two, we talked about Isaiah and... Um, excuse me, Isaac and Abraham. And Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, Isaac. They were both willing uh, to sacrifice to God because they understood who God was. So, So they were willing to live a sacrificial life and give of what truly mattered, all right? And then last week, uh, here on this campus, Clay talked about the Good Samaritan. I was at our south campus and and talked there. And let me just tell you this, just real quick. If you didn't know this, we've got a campus that's starting on the south end. Last weekend, I had the opportunity to be there in person for the first time, and God is up to something great there, okay? I I truly believe it, all right? I truly believe it. I got a chance to to, uh, just be with the church there and just some great leaders, and, and I really believe God's gonna be doing some great things. But but anyway, we talked about the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan was willing to get off his donkey and love a neighbor in a way that mattered by giving of his time, giving of his resources, his gifts, and giving of his money. So 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 far, what we've what we've experienced is three different stories of people who literally got off their donkey and we have got to, got to see how they gave uh, to God. And so we got one more for you. Now, this one's a little bit different, okay? Uh, let me just go ahead and tell you right now, this one's a little different. The other ones, we see the person willingly getting off their donkey because they wanted to give. This is one where, where it happens a little bit different. And in this one, we actually get to hear from the donkey. Like we often don't get to hear from the animals. Although animals oftentimes, you know they're thinking something, right? Like, like, if you got pets at home, like, like you know your pet at home, Yeah, like, every now and then you're like, I, I, like I wonder what that, that dog is thinking. It made me do some research this week on just wondering what animals were thinking, and, and I found some pictures on the internet. This one, I, I have no clue what this dog is thinking. <laughs> this has to be the ugliest dog in all of creation. Would y'all agree with me on that? Like, like y'all are afraid to, like, 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 no, it's like, I think this dog won a prize. I found this picture on a website because there was a competition for the ugliest dog in America. Okay. So, so that's it. I like, and then the owner tried to give it some bling with that necklace. I don't know what the owner was thinking. Here, here's another one I wonder about. <clears throat> like, what's this bird thinking? This is what I think the bird is thinking. Dang kids. Right? Like, like, you could just picture, like, like, that's a grumpy old bird, right? Going, dang, kids. Or here, what's this monkey thinking? <laughs> Ow! Right? That's that, that just, that's it? Ow! That's got to hurt. The, the, the great thing is, is with this story, we get to know what the donkey is thinking, and, and, and in my words, I would say the donkey was thinking, will you obey God or oppose God? That, that when we get into this story, we're actually going to get a hear from the donkey. And we're, we're going to hear from the individual as well, but we're going to get a hear from the donkey. And, and the donkey doesn't use that exact language, but in essence, that's what the donkey says to its owner. Will you obey God or oppose God? And today, that's the question for each and every one of us, myself included. Will I obey God or will I oppose God? And you can put that in whatever area of your life you want to. When it comes to giving, will I obey God or will I oppose God? My relationships, will I obey God, will I oppose God? In following Jesus, will I obey God or oppose God? I want you to wrestle with that question. And and if you're willing to, then it means you have to ask yourself some hard truths. And in the story, that's what we're going to see. is somebody who had to ask themselves a difficult question. Am I going to obey God or oppose God by second-guessing God. Well, let me give you the story. That, that is found in the book of Numbers, which is in the Old Testament... And what's what what is happening in this story is that the Israelites they have they have left Egypt. Maybe you'd heard of the Exodus before. They had, they'd been in Egypt for about four hundred years. They were leaving Egypt, and after they had left Egypt, they they were kind of wandering through the wilderness because they had some disobedience, and due to their disobedience, God was making them wander through the wilderness for about forty years. And as they were wandering through the wilderness, they would come across. Other people groups. And then when they'd come across that people group, a little war would break out because they'd be on their land. And the Israelites were winning. Every battle, the Israelites were winning. And because of that, there was a king um, uh, called Balak. And Balak was king of the Moabites, all right? And you might want to remember this. If not, just let me help you with this people group, that Balak was the king of the Moabites. And the Israelites had started to come close to his people. And he started to to fret and fear because he had seen the Israelites had destroyed pretty much every people group they'd come up against so far. So he started to worry about his people, and he came up with an idea. He said, I'm going to call for a prophet, and I'm going to bribe the prophet. I'm going to pay him a bunch of money so that the prophet will come and speak a curse over the Israelites. And if the prophet curses uh, curses them, then they'll be cursed. If the prophet blesses them, then they'd be blessed. But I don't want that, so I'm going to call a prophet. And the prophet he called was a guy named Balaam. Now Balaam was a prophet of God, a prophet for the Israelites. But Balak didn't care. He thought, "I can buy him over to my side." So Balak got a got a group of of people together, kind of got a delegation, said, here's my plan. I want you to go talk to Balaam. I want you to take this money with you, take these gifts with you, and and ask him to come back with you to stand over the people of Israel and to curse them. So this delegation left and they went to, um, to see Balaam. And when they got to Balaam, they, they went up to him and, and they said, Hey, our king has sent word to us and, and he wants you to come and he wants you to curse all of the Israelites. And Balaam, when he heard this, he's like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, my God, he, he, is, he has kind of said that, that I'm here to speak for him and for the Israelites. But he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go ask God what he thinks. So you spend the night here. Let me go and talk to my God and, when I, when I, and, and then I'll let you know what God has to say. So he goes and he, he talks to God. And he says, God, these people have asked me to come with them and to curse them. What would you like me to do? And this is what God says. But God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people for they have been blessed. Now, That's pretty simple, isn't it? Like, like, I think all of us can read this and not question God's intent. Do not go. You cannot curse, for they have been blessed. So God is very clear with Balaam. So Balaam, after he hears this from God, he goes back to the Israelite people, excuse me, back to the the, uh, Balak's people. And he says, hey, guys, sorry, I asked my God. He said, I can't go with you. Go on home. So they all went home and they went back to Balak. And Balak's like, nope, I'm not going to take no for an answer. Let's get a bigger delegation of people. Let's get more money and let's offer Balaam even more. So they went back to Balaam again and said, hey, Balaam, we're back. How about you come and curse the Israelites? Now, Balaam, if he was smart, would have said, God already said no. I don't need to ask God again. God has clearly spoken. Yet, What we kind of believe through digging into this scripture is Balaam sees the people, more people. He sees more money. He sees more opportunity. And he's like, well, maybe God's changed his mind. So he goes back to God and he's like, hey, God, what do you think? They've come again. And God ends up saying, well, go ahead and go. I often wonder why God said, go ahead and go. I think it was, this is my opinion, but I think it was God going, okay. You you, you want to have it your own way? See how this works for you. And so Balaam, it says this in scripture. It says, so the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. Now let me read to you the rest of the story. But God was angry with Balaam. That Balaam was going. Of course he was. So he sent an angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way as Balaam and his two servants were riding along. Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. So the the donkey sees the angel and says, I don't want to die. So he goes way off on the side of the road. while he's way off on the side of the road, Balaam beats his donkey until the, the donkey gets past the angel and back on the road. Then it continues, then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. So you can picture it now that this animal just bows down and says, I'm not going to get killed by this angel of the Lord. So just like bow down, like lay down. And Balaam then gets off his donkey and beats his donkey. And then the story gets interesting. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. This is where you get your best Eddie Murphy voice going. (sighs) What have I done to you that deserves you beating me three times? Like like all of a sudden, the donkey has the ability to talk. And I know that you might be sitting there thinking, well, well, is is that possible? Yeah, just look at the person next to you. (laughs) <laughs> Lois, that isn't in my notes. But I couldn't resist. That was too easy, right? But, but no, seriously, like you might go, well, how, that, that donkey can't talk. Listen, God can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. And if he is a creator God, then he can make his creation talk. That's what God can do. So the donkey talked. What, what have I done to you that deserves you beating me three times? It asked Balaam. And then I love the next part. It says this. Balaam answered the donkey. <laughs> like that doesn't make sense. The, the other part makes sense that the donkey talked, but this doesn't. Like, like if I had a little textual criticism of this verse, I'd be like, surely there's something missing there. Because if this was me, it would be donkey talks, Josh passes out, <laughs> right? Like, like uh, yeah, I'm out. When he comes to, then he answers. But Balaam just flat out answers. You have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. Again, Balaam must be a fool because at this point he should realize, I got a talking donkey. Like, like I, I'm headed to the circus, <laughs> "'But I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life.' The donkey answered, "'Have I ever done anything like this before?' "'No,' Balaam admitted.' Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Then the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you Because your path is a reckless one. Like, don't miss that verse. Why have you beaten your donkey, the angel asked. I've come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. And guys, that's the key verse for this. Is Is his path? was reckless. That the angel was trying to say to Balaam, do you understand you are not on the right path right now? You are on a reckless one. And you're on a reckless one that is leading you in direct opposition to God. And again, it makes me wonder, how many times do we do the very same thing? That we find ourselves in direct opposition to God because we're disobedient. see, we can obey God or we can oppose God. And I think that many times we oppose God because we second-guess God. See, that's where the story like had its twist. Like at first, God the, the people came to Balaam, Balaam heard what they said, he went and asked God, God, what do you have to say about this? God said, nope, don't go. Balaam said, sorry, guys, can't do it. God spoke, I'm going to obey. Like if the story ends right there, we're great. The problem is, is they came back and they said, Balaam, hey, we're going to sweeten the pot. Times have changed. It's a different day. What do you say that maybe you go with us now? And rather than Balaam just looking at him and saying, God spoke, therefore I'm going to obey. Instead, this is what he said. This is one verse I passed over earlier. Look at what it says. Now spend the night here so that I can find out what else. The Lord will tell me. Rather than saying God has already spoke, he's saying, well, let me second guess God and go back to God and say, hey, God, do you got anything else to say about this? Hey, God, have you changed your mind since then? So God said, go. And that's the reason I say, I think God was like, go. Let's just see what happens. You want to second guess me? Go ahead and walk that path and see how it goes for your life. And again, unfortunately, I think we do this all the time. I think we do it in a bunch of areas, but I think one of the biggest areas we do it is in this area of giving. That we're like, God, did you really say that I should give my finances to you? God, did did you really say 10% of my income should be yours? Or, or God, when you said 10%, that was the Old Testament. That was thousands of years ago. We live in a different day to day, so I'm sure it's not that anymore. That we second-guess God. What if we just said, God, what do you say about giving, and how about I just do it? I mean, look at what God says about giving. Here, here's some verses, 12 verses. If I was just to do a quick survey of of different verses in scripture. That, that these are 12 of them. Now, these, aren't, these aren't all the verses. There's hundreds of verses in the Bible about giving. But if let's just say we are just going to look at 12. That that Genesis 14 is, is Abraham giving an offering to the uh, to Melchizedek, who was a type of Christ. I don't have time to go all into that, but what we find there, it's the first reference in Scripture where the giving of 10% happened, that, that Abraham gave 10% of all that he had to Melchizedek. Leviticus 27, it says, give 10%, give a tithe of your fruit and of your grain. Malachi 3 says, to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and to test God in this, and if, if you do so, he will open up the floodgates of heaven. Matthew 23. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, you should tithe. He was talking to the religious leaders saying, you should have justice and mercy and love as well, but you should also tithe. In Genesis 4, it says that Abel gave the first of everything he had, the best that he had, and God found it acceptable. First Chronicles says that the people of God rallied together and they supplied the temple with enough money, uh, with enough stuff, so that they could build the temple even more than they needed. 2 Samuel 24, that's David saying, I want to give an offering to God. And so he goes and he tells the guy, I want to buy this property. And the guy's like, nope, I'll just give it to you. And David says, no, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. That that Mark 12 is about a, a widow who gave two small coins. And Jesus said she gave more than anybody else because she gave all that she had. Luke 6, Jesus says, The way you give is the way it will be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together. Acts 4 is about a guy named Barnabas who sold a field and laid the gift at the apostles' feet, which shows us the the New Testament way to give and to give to the church and through church leadership. 1 Timothy says, Be rich towards those who are poor. And 2 Corinthians says, To decide in your heart in advance what to give, not out of compulsion but out of joy. Scripture is very clear when it comes to giving. It's very clear that that God makes it evident on how we should give. Yet again, many times they're like, well, we don't have to tie. That was Old Testament. Or or I'm just going to give a little bit this week, or, or I'll figure it out next week. No, God says give of your best. So again, let me ask in this area of giving, will you obey God or oppose God? And, and let me just speak honest here. I know for me, there was years of my life where I opposed God in this area because I second-guessed him. That, that I've shared this with the church a little bit, that, that there was a season that, that I was serving as a pastor, I was working for the church, but I'd never heard or understood this idea of biblical giving. Uh, so, so I didn't give a dollar. My, my wife and I, we didn't, we didn't give a dollar to the Lord. Now, we gave him all of our time, and because I was serving the church and I was a pastor at the church, I thought, well, I've, I'm giving all of my time to the church, and I'm giving all of my life. Isn't that enough? No. What that was, was me making an excuse, me second-guessing God, thinking, well, I'm giving him my, my time, so that's my tithe. You've probably heard people say that. Maybe you've said that. Guys, that's, that's walking in disobedience. And I know for me, when I started studying scripture and, and I came to a better understanding of giving, I was like, I can't do that anymore. We've got to start giving. So we did, but we didn't tithe. Oh, we started giving financially, but we didn't tithe because here was my thinking. Well, the tithe, that's the Old Testament. Guys, I'll be honest with you. It's embarrassing to say it, but that's how I lived because I thought, well, I can give, but I don't have to tithe because the tithe is the Old Testament, and we are a New Testament people living under grace now, so I don't have to, I don't have to follow that law. And then one day as I was reading, I read Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus said, you should tithe. Jesus said, you should give 10%. And when I read that, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Because see, personally, I've made a decision in my life that my whole faith rests on the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus that everything in my life, that's what it rests on. So I go, I just, I'm going to look at the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus. And the words of Jesus were, you should tithe. So on that day, I'm like, we got to change. We got to make a change in our family. And I went to Krista and said, baby, we, this is what we got to do. And she's like, I thought that's what you did when you said we hadn't been given. Like she was mad at me and rightfully so. How many times do we oppose God because we second-guess God? And rather than oppose God because we second-guess God, how about we start obeying God by simply submitting to him? How about we obey him and submit to him in this area of giving of our finances, of our time, and of our life, rather than oppose him by second-guessing him? But again, we don't do it just in this area of giving. We do it in so many other areas. I'll tell you another area we do it is sex. Sex and marriage and divorce and all those things. We'll be like, well, God, like, I I, I just don't love my spouse anymore. And I know that you said that that when we get married, we shouldn't divorce, but but I just don't love them anymore, so I'm sure you'll understand. And we second-guess God. God, we're, we're going to go ahead and move in together. Like, I, I know that you've said we shouldn't do that, but, but it'll be so much better financially for us if we do that. And if we do that, we'll be able to give a little bit. And, and if we move in together, we're going to be able to figure out if, if we're compatible for one another. That way we don't get divorced later. So, so we're just going to do this. Now, I'm sure that's okay, Jesus, right? And we second-guess Jesus. Jesus, I, I know that what you've said about same-sex attraction, but but I really love this person. And and what you said about that was so long ago. I'm sure you've changed your mind by now. And we second guess God. Or God, like, like it's just a little bit of porn. Like, like I'm just watching a little bit online, and and it's not a big deal because I'm not actually doing anything. I'm not hurting somebody. I'm just watching a little bit. So, Jesus, I'm sure you're you're, you're okay with it now, and we second-guess God. Jesus, we love each other, so it's okay if we sleep together because we really love each other, and we second-guess God. We do it all the time. And when you second-guess God, you stand in opposition to God. And that is a reckless, dangerous path. But we don't just do it there. Hey, Jesus, I know you said I need to forgive this person, but but you don't understand what they did. I mean, I'll forgive this person, but I can't forgive that person. And we second-guess God. Jesus, I know you said I honor my mom and dad, but you don't know my mom and dad. And we second guess God. Jesus, I know you said I'm supposed to submit to that authority in my life, but but you don't understand what kind of jerk that authority is, so we second guess God. And when we oppose God, it comes from second guessing God. But what would it look like if we said, God, I just want to obey you. By submitting to you. So so that's the challenge today. What would it look like if in this area of giving up my finances, I said, God, I don't want to oppose you and second guess you. I want to obey you and submit to you. God, in this area of relationships, I don't want to oppose you and second-guess you. I want to obey you and submit to you. In this area of following you, Jesus, I don't want to oppose you and second-guess you. I want to obey you and submit to you. Get off your donkey and obey. by walking down the right path. Because if we don't get off our donkey, then Jesus is going to knock us off a donkey. That's what he's going to do. Because he knocked Balaam off that donkey that day. And unfortunately with Balaam, he never got it right. Oh, he got it right in that moment for a second. He repented. He got back on track. But later in life, like years later, the Israelites went to battle against the Moabites and Balaam died in the battle fighting for the Moabites. He never got off that reckless path and therefore he stood in opposition of God. And I don't want that for you today. So for some of us today, what you need to do is you need to look inward and you need to say, when it comes to my finances, I've been in opposition, but no longer am I going to oppose. No longer am I going to second guess. I'm making a decision today to obey God by submitting to him. And you need to walk that decision out. Some of you, you got areas in your life that have not been in submission to God. It might be your relationships. It might be something else. That today is the day you say, no more. I'm getting off the reckless path. And I'm getting on the right path. Because I'm not going to oppose God and second guess God. I'm going to obey God and submit to him. Some of you are here today, and let's just admit it. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And you are walking in opposition just like I was when I was young. I was walking in that area of giving. That was, a, that was an area I was opposing God. But there was another area before that where I was just walking down a reckless path. And I came face to face with God one day. And thankfully... I bowed down and I submitted and God relented and he saved me. And there's some of you who are here today, who today, today is the day that you need to repent. And you need to turn and get off that reckless path and say, Jesus, I need you as my savior. And I'm going to invite you right now to surrender to Jesus. I'm going to invite you just to give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. Because if you're here today and you haven't surrendered to Jesus, then you're on a reckless path. But Jesus can save you. And I know right now i got two prayer counselors standing right there at that connect door. And I'm just going to invite you, if if that's you and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I'm going to invite you to get up right now and to head to that door and to pray with, with Andrew or to pray with Jody and just ask Jesus to come in to your life because today's a day to get off the reckless path and onto the right path by obeying God and submitting to him. Why don't you stand with me? I'm gonna pray and we're gonna move into this time of response. Jesus, I ask Jesus that you would move And that we would learn from this story. We would take it to heart. And that we would quit opposing you by second-guessing you. And we would start obeying you by submitting to you. Jesus, lead us in this way. Help us to follow you. Help us to get off our donkey and to bow and to do what is right. Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Church, let's respond.